Welcome to the Oxygen Mass Podcast. If you are here as a parent or caregiver, educator or grandparent, we are glad to have you listening. This program is geared for the autism parent, but we welcome and invite all who feel called to be here with us. I'm Tara and I'm your co-host along with my partner, Beth. The title of this podcast, The Oxygen Mask, is based on a metaphor. Just as you are instructed on an airplane to put on your own mask before helping others, we believe we need to practice helping ourselves as parents so we can best help our children. Hi, I'm Beth. At the beginning of each episode, we'll turn that metaphor, that symbol of an oxygen mask, into a concrete practice, pausing a few minutes each day to quiet our busy minds and breathe into our bellies provides a surge of stress-reducing neurochemicals. With practice over time, we actually build pathways in our brains that help reduce our stress response. So even if you hit play on this podcast about to enter multitasking mode, please take a moment of pause for yourself. Let's begin. Close your eyes softly and bring your attention to your feet as they contact the surface beneath them, rooting you to this moment. Roll your shoulders back. Let them settle in a strong, relaxed posture. Take a belly breath in through your nose. Feel the sensation of air in your nostrils, in the back of your throat. Exhale slowly. Notice your chest fall and your belly soften. Draw another deep breath into your belly. Envision the cool air swirling up across your forehead. Exhale, picturing the warm air going down the back of your neck and over your shoulders. Bring your attention to your face, your temples, your jaw. Take a final cleansing breath in. At the top of your in-breath, bend your elbows and softly place your hands on your hips. Exhale slowly, perhaps letting a smile curl the corners of your mouth. Hold this posture for a few seconds as you open your eyes. Again, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Oxygen Mask Podcast. This is episode 22. This is the second half of my conversation with Sai and Mei Chi. So definitely go back and listen to 21 as well, um, where we talked about some challenges and struggles they've experienced in here in this um, second part of the episode with them. We're picking up on some celebrations, hopes, that they have um, for the Hmong American community. What are some some highlights of, of things you look back on and you're like, man, I, we, we did that. I'm so glad this was part of, um, of my path. Um, any celebrations, successes, or maybe even hopes for, um, for you or your community? Um, for me, I, I, I just, I would like to have, I would like the Hmong community to accept autism and mental health. And if they do accept it, they'll, they'll be able to help others who, who have that who have that condition. I really feel like just the conversations you guys are having and the sharing of your stories and, and examples is, um, is important. Any other thoughts on, you know, the uh, kind of breaking through that stigma around um, mental and behavioral health stuff? 
for me, I I would like I wish the older generation, the family, the parents, would accept that instead of instead of saying no. Yeah, I hope I hope they'll accept it and say yes, and then try to help the kids or grandkids. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I hear that. Mechi, how about you? I'm so grateful for the strong connection I have with my child. Um, you know, just being a part of his life daily and like ensuring that things are being met. It's a very special bond and a very strong connection that I think a lot of parents may not have that I do, um, especially in our community. I feel that, you know, growing up as a first generation American born in the U.S., our parents focused on making the needs food, shelter, and I think mental health was not a part of that process and mental health was um, something that we learned and I learned more in my generation. And I believe that as our generation continues to educate and advocate, advocate for each other, especially in the Hmong community, we're going to see more acceptance and we're going to see more people specializing in this, these kinds of fields to open up those opportunities to allow the communities to trust to go to these providers because they look like you, they, they, they understand your culture and they know who you are. You know, um, I still have daily conversations with my own parents about mental health and you know, they just keep on saying that, you know, if we can survive a secret war and if we can swim across the river and, you know, having a chance of being assassinated by enemies, you guys can go through these basic life things. You know, for them, they were on a survival mode, survival mode. And in our generation, we didn't get to experience that, but we have their historical trauma embedded in us. And that, you know, we need to continue to stop the cycle and we need to continue to just advocate and find resources to help our loved ones and ourselves. You're helping me um, see, zoom out so much to the big picture to think of um, this sort of hierarchy of needs, like being able for a whole generation to be prioritizing another like foundational need on top of like food and shelter um, <laughs> survival pieces. Um, it just sounds powerful and super hopeful, um, especially as you raise your son um, with that in mind and um, the relationship that you have with him. So, and if when looking back with my journey, it's you know it's only been like three years going through this autism journey as a parent. Um, it was a really emotional time for me in the beginning of the process because. It wasn't because of the diagnosis, but it was because of people that I loved and cared that was supposed to be there to support us, but yet, you know, didn't and uh, criticized the way how we, you know, were as parents to find resources. As I look back, I want to give advice to all parents and all families and individuals that are going through this. Regardless of what people say, try not to read too much into what they are going to say to you. You know, because um, you can get sucked into that and, you know, it can put you in a really dark place. So continue to just focus on yourself, regardless of what the naysayers say. And um, always trust your instincts, your gut feelings. Um, I was told, you know, when 
I had a 12 month questionnaire review with my son's pediatrician. I was always in the middle. I was never a yes or a no. And because I was always in the middle, my doctor believed that, his doctor believed that nothing was wrong. Like there was no concern. Cause she was also biased because she also had a, a son the same age as my son at the time. And she was just saying that, oh, it's because he's a boy and boys develop a little bit slower than girls. And I've, I've heard that also in the most meetings. And so I, I, you know, I'm tired of hearing that stigma. I'm tired of hearing that assumption and just continue to trust your instincts and just seek resources, whatever you feel that you need to do to get those things done. I do remember that 12 month questionnaire um, and feeling like I've had to pause and think about every question. And I have to be really honest, those questionnaires, they're not very culturally uh, competent for a lot of people that don't really follow the Western culture. Because like you said, I had to pause and think about some of these things that, you know, kind of relate to the question, but more like acceptable and the practices and traditions that we do. So that's where it also caused like confusion for me to really think through like, is this a yes or a no? Well, and I think what struck me in both Sai and Meichi, what you have talked about is the other um, explanations of what's going on. So like um, he's, you know, you said Meichi just now, he's just a boy or Sai, your family, you know, the idea of lazy, but um, people grab onto what they understand and what they can explain. Sai, do you have any um, kind of wish, what you wish you could tell an earlier version of yourself or advice? Accept. Uh, Accept that your child has that and try to help your child any way you can. And, and, and always try to be with, with your child throughout the years and help them any way. And, and try to be there, if you, be there to the highs and lows. Yep, because that's what full acceptance is. Any other thoughts on building acceptance um, in the Hmong American community? I mean, I know autism in general is a very stigmatized um, disability. Um. Yeah, I, I think something that kind of plays a factor into like our community's resilience and just just um, all the things that our community has gone through. Um, I don't know if you heard of the model myth minority. Um, it's like something that's placed upon Asian Americans, you know, like typical stereotypes. And I think the hardest thing about, for me, an experience about being a Hmong American person is that Hmong people, we do not fit the model minority myth, but we carry the burden of it. And when we carry the burden of it, we, we try to go on, regardless of how hard the circumstances around our life is. And I think that's why, uh, that's how my parents are. They carry on that burden. So when carrying on that burden, trying to be strong, and when there's things that come up like with mental health or anything medically or something that just kind of throws you a curveball in your life, you know, they continue to just kind of like continue bringing up their resilience. And I think that has also impacted how people in the community have perceived um, themselves to be strong and, you know, just kind of like they need to know that it's it's okay to to talk about these things. It's okay that you don't have to carry the burden of all these 
pain and all these things that your family is dealing with. And it's okay to find help and resources. And it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to be vocal and advocate for things. Um, one thing that another thing I forgot to mention is that when my son got diagnosed and I learned to speak up more, I learned to advocate more for him and to advocate more for myself, you know, especially in my workplace setting about, you know, finding flexible schedules to work with my son's medical um, appointments and stuff. And I remember my dad telling me one time saying that um, I should be careful because if I'm not careful, I can get fired from my job and I need to really like obey and listen to my upper management and leadership. And I told my father that they're not, they're not going to be able to know what I'm going through unless I tell them and telling them they offer the support to, you know, make sure that my schedule is flexible enough so I can attend to my child's needs. And I think um, our family, like our parents, our generation, our older generation, they just went thinking, they live in fear, you know, because everything was taken away from them. And even like the distrust of government, you know, where they came from. So, you know, like I said, again, just try to break that cycle and just continue to advocate. It seems like Meichi, um, and what you're describing is that you're modeling and um, a different version of, of what strength is and what resilience can look like. And Sai, you as well, as you're navigating and um, a system that's not fitting, it's not um, quite as supportive as it sounds like through education um, and, and forward ways that it could support you. It's, it's falling short and you're kind of patching it together, it sounds like, um, but not without a lot of struggle. Uh, yes. And Sai, can you tell me, tell us a little bit about too, um, you're involved in a lot of uh, different parts of the autism community from what I understand. Can you tell us a little bit about where you're kind of finding a voice? I am, my wife, uh, first name Marin, um, Mars. That, that's, that's a Zoom meeting every two weeks on Monday nights. So in that meeting, it's, it's me, and mom and 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 other moms who have child or autistic, I I would just listen to them and then I would kind of give my my own experience, my feedback and recommendations in in a group meeting. And then and then the second group that I I'm part of is the SWAV, S A W V. Yeah, that's with um, Harry and Payne. So. In that Facebook group, I I give my feedback or comments on on the posts and just tell them about me and then and my my own experience. That's great. Um, if it's okay with you, I'll include maybe links or you can email me links that we could include in the show notes for people to find those um, if those are open spaces to to connect with and learn from. Yeah. Thank you both so much um, for joining me tonight. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Listeners, again, check out the show notes. And this podcast episode is funded um, in part by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Human Services um, to communities engaging autism. So we want to thank them for that um, important funding. You can comment and subscribe to the podcast 
at Communities Engaging Autism's website at www.cea4, that's the number four, autism.org. Share the podcast with members of your village to strengthen those essential connections. And above all, please secure your own oxygen mask before helping others.